Welcome to the Venezuela's Podcast, brought to you by the Who You Know Network, and we are proud members of the Parade Deck, and we're here on the Parade Deck stage here at the Mick. Eric, we are at the Mick live. Dude, we are at the Mick. You are really amped up, bro. I am pumped. Holy cow. Not only are we at the Mick, but we've got an awesome guest. This is going to be an amazing event. It's the first time we've gone live. It is. Yep. It is. Speaking of our guests, hey, we've got SEAC retired John Wayne Troxel, the uh, founder and CEO of uh, PME Hard Consulting, the author of Surrender or Die, one of my former bosses, and a longtime friend. John, how are you, brother? I am awesome. It is such an honor to be here with you guys today and uh, be a part of this event and uh, see all the great stuff that's going on here at the MIC. It is wild here. Yeah. It has been, a, it has been, it has been some days. So I want to get started because this is important sure. to us, right? Our podcast is all about transition. Absolutely. It's all about what's out there for us and really what our stories are like. So, John, you were the SEAC. You were the third SEAC, senior enlisted advisor, the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, and you retired nearly, I don't know, four decades? Four decades. Nearly four decades. That's just a couple of days. I hardly did two decades. <laughs> what was it like navigating your transition? Uh, it was uh, extremely difficult. You know, we have this phrase in the military that we use, and, it, and it's pretty effective in combat and things like that, called, I'll figure it out when I get there. You know, yes. and so for transition, like a lot of people, I was that same guy. Hey, I'm the SEAC. I got to continue to focus on the joint force. I got to focus on getting the pulse of the force for the chairman and the secretary of defense and delivering the why to the troops all over the world in Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, Somalia, Libya, Yemen, and all the garden spots that we had troops operating at. And I forgot to worry about myself. Oh, come on. Which is, you know, yeah. So I went finally, I was 90 days out from retiring after 38 years, and I went to a transition course. All of the other senior enlisted that were in that course with me had over two years left. I was under 90 days. And then I got back from that course, and I was already starting my VA process, and the worst thing that could happen to a guy in my job happened. I got a new chairman. Uh, General Joe Dunford retired, and General Mark Milley became the chairman. And Milley walked into my office and said, pack your stuff. We're going to the Middle East. And I said, uh, chairman, I got a VA appointment and everything. You know what he told me? Oh, you'll figure that out. All right. So We'll figure it out when we get there. Yeah. So it was difficult. Thankfully, now, being the senior enlisted guy in the DOD, I had a staff that helped me out, okay? But 99.9% of the force doesn't get that. So it was difficult for me, but I got through it in the end and got everything done. And as a matter of fact, I was a one-take Jake at the Central Issue Facility and turning in all of my kit. Wow. One first time go. I have 38 years worth of shit. Okay. And I'm talking about mess kits, pile caps, and all this Four stuff decades. that they don't issue anymore. And they want the stuff back, man. So, so I got to ask then, on that day, what was the bill owed by the SEAC? to CIF. Zero. Come on. Oh, Zero. Look at, that. look at that. As a matter of fact, they gave me a bunch of stuff back because they don't <laughs> issue it anymore. You know? So We stopped using this stuff. You can keep yeah. it. So what, what jumped out at me, though, in your story there is the fact that we hear a lot about how people get stuck with taskings and things like that during their transition. And essentially, you went through the exact same thing with the new chief coming and saying, hey, no, we, we got things to do. We're going. You know, so you had to adapt and overcome at that point, and that's just, that's amazing Dude, to me. Dude, 10 days before I retired, I was in Afghanistan with General Milley and President Trump. And President Trump even looked at me and he said, 
did I hear you right? You're retiring in 10 days? And I said, yes, Mr. President, I am. He says, what the F are you doing over here? And I said, that's a good question, Mr. President. I don't know why I'm over here. I guess because that selfless service thing, you just, we, it's hard for us to let it go. And, and what I tell transitioning service members now is you got to rapidly transition that selfless service tenant that is inherent in military service to a marketable personal brand that will yep. allow you to get after some opportunities in post-military life. That's the hardest thing we go through in, in transition is start thinking about ourselves yes. when we've been thinking about others for career for decades. Absolutely. I, I don't know if I'm more impressed with the fact that he made it through CIF or that Trump impersonation. That was impressive. <laughs> that was impressive. Was that pretty good? That was really <laughs> that was good. good. Yeah. That, okay. was yeah. that, that was good. Yeah. So one thing that I talk about a lot when we talk about transition is that I call it the matching clothes yeah. syndrome, right? So as we go, no matter where we go, whether it's 24 years or 38 years, yep. we always know someone. Yep. We, we share a job. We, we've eaten in the same defects. We, we've been to the same places. And if nothing else, if I have nothing else in common with anybody, we wear matching clothes. Yeah. So we've always got a common thread somewhere. When you step out of the uniform and you looked left and right and you realize that nobody matched the one and only John Wayne Troxel anymore. You took to, I, I, don't even, I don't even know how many brands you represent, but you took to this idea. Nine of, right now. <laughs> nine. You took the idea of, of building a personal brand to a completely different level. Absolutely. Right? And you did that all while writing, authoring, and producing a book. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yeah, so, you know, I tell everybody it, what I tell a bunch of transitioning service members now, especially senior officers and enlisted, is do not be lost in your museum. When you retire, like it's time to look forward. It's not time to look back, you know, and don't be this sergeant major that's at the gas station and Joe doesn't have his headgear on and you want to go over there and you want to correct the guy and you're retired now. Uh, and I even had to tell a retired sergeant major one day, I said, you, you're going to go and try and do that to an active duty troop and they're going to know that retiree ID card has zero authority and they are either going to tell you to F off or they're going to beat your ass right there. Okay. <laughs> so. In post-military life, we can't be lost in our museums. We want to be proud of our military service. We want to use the knowledge, skills, and attributes that we got yes. from our military service to assist us in our post-military careers and everything. But look forward and don't look back. And that's what I was going to do. And when I went through my transition, and I had experience at some of the courses that the Army sent me to, I did a fellowship at, at ExxonMobil when Rex Tillerson was the CEO, right. and I also did one at Southwest Airlines. And so when I went through my transition and started talking to major corporations, I told myself, I think I can compete out here. I think I can come out and do some things uh, and build a personal brand that will not only honor my service, but the things that I did in service, you know, like telling ISIS that they had two options, surrender or die, or building up young troops during the surge in Iraq, like Eric Brew, <laughs> to go out and kill the enemy with uh, relentless aggression and everything. I think I can get out here and get after this. And so I started my own PME hard was the phrase that I used to use yep. that I wanted my troops to be. I wanted them to be physically, mentally, and emotionally hard to face the insidious enemies that we faced in combat. The same kind of enemies like Hamas now that do the, the same savagery, the same with the same guys that we were fighting, yes. you know, the same kind of radical ideology and everything. And so now my, my consulting company, PME hard is all about 
uh, fitness. It's all about mental and emotional health, but more importantly, it's about leadership and getting people to be successful post-military life. And I use this hashtag, corporate enlisted takeover. Now, I'm not anti-officer, oh, like please, okay? But, you know, when you look at brands like Black Rifle Coffee, those are enlisted guys that started that brand. And, you know, Downrange Supplements, who's one of the brands that I work with that's going to be here in Vegas this weekend, all enlisted guys. Two former E5 infantrymen have their own supplement company, and they're the number one brand in the commissaries across the country. So my goal now is to help people to be able to go out and start a small business or go out and want to be an author or write a book or do whatever they want to do, but continuing to give them that purpose that they had while they were in uniform through their transition and post-military life to go out and do some great things. And that's what I'm focused on. And that's, you know, you, you mentioned your book, Surrender or Die. Yeah. I want to hit on that, too, because I don't want to run out of time. Because I remember, I remember <laughs> don't, don't be, be, being a young recon TL and listening to my brigade sergeant major talk about this <laughs> in the middle of the surge, and we took that crap to heart. Yeah. Right? We were going to take the fight to the enemy. We didn't back down. We were physically, mentally, and emotionally hard. And we were ready to go. And that whole thing, that, that whole mentality, has, you've carried that with you your entire career. And it culminated in this book. Tell us about the book. Yeah, so you brought up the surge in Iraq. So too many times, especially in our nation now, people uh, you know, talk in victim speak. Mm, yes. And, and you're, you can't be very successful when you're uh, talking in victim speak. You've got to talk in champion speak. I'm going to be the best that I can be. I'm going to make my team the best that they can be. And especially in combat during the surge when we went in there and, you know, we went in some very heavily enemy-infested areas. I wasn't worried about you guys because we had trained our butts off. And I so knew, much training. And I knew <laughs> that all the way down to the team leader level that you were going to execute discipline initiative within the commander's intent, apply agile and adaptive practices based on what the enemy's doing to yep. you, and you were going to kill them. So I, was, I wasn't worried about what we were going to do. I was confident that we were going to take the fight to the enemy and that we were going to have them on the run. And we did. And quickly. Quickly. And, and the, if you remember, in the last four months of our 15-month deployment, we, we, not, we had not one soldier killed or one soldier Correct. wounded. And we were still killing the enemy by the bushels. And we were building capacity in our Iraqi partners. We were building, uh, you know, the communities. The elected officials were able to start getting after governance and everything like that. And that's what that was all about. So the book is titled Surrender or Die because of that phrase, you know, that I used. That, you know, the enemies of the United States, they have two options. They can surrender or die. And I'm not, none it's of us math. that serve are going to apologize that if you try to impinge on our freedom, our homeland, and way of life, that it's going to go bad for you. And it's going to go very bad. And so when I was the SEAC, I had been saying this for years, ever since this guy was a young team leader, and I never, nobody ever said anything to me, but here I am, the senior enlisted guy in the DOD, and I'm in Raqqa, Syria, with our most elite Army Special Operations Unit during the fall of the caliphate, and I'm up on a roof, and I'm seeing our Syrian Democratic Forces with our Special Operations Advisors getting after the enemy, and every time there'd be a lull in a fight, there would be an enemy suicide vest bomber come out and detonate and kill some SDF troops. Or there'd be a Mad Max vehicle-borne IED that would come out and detonate. A very resilient enemy. And so on that roof, I just blurted out, you know, the same thing I've been saying for years. These a-holes have two options. They can surrender or die. 
And the, the elite unit sergeant major there, who's a good friend of mine, his name is Rob, Rob looks at me and says, you ought to put that in your update to General Dunford and Secretary Mattis. <laughs> so I did that night. I put in the update, you know, exactly that. And if you know anything about Mattis, he loves that kind of brazen language. Oh, yeah. And he wrote me back immediately and said, keep saying that. Because that fit into his na narrative of we're not just going to defeat the enemies of the United States. We're going to annihilate them. Yep, and absolutely. so I kept saying it everywhere. And until some <laughs> major newspaper reporter heard me say it on on Christmas Day in Bagram, Afghanistan, uh, it was never an issue. And then the guy walks up to me afterwards, and he says, I can't believe that you are encouraging U.S. troops to go out and commit war crimes. I said, I don't, I don't know what you've been smoking, dude, but I didn't do that. We train soldiers, Marines, and battlefield airmen how to use non-standard weapons to kill the enemy. And yep. we, t you know, we, we are going to tell them, you got two options here. And he said, well, I'm going to go public with this, and I'm going to do an article. And I told him, knock yourself out. <laughs> and then I thought about it, and I was like, this could go bad. So I, I called up my trusty public affairs guy, uh, Rob Couture, and I said, Rob, I just ran into this very, you would know the name of this reporter, and uh, what are we going to do? He said, let's beat him to the punch. Let's take air out of it. So we did a social media post, a picture of me holding an entrenching tool, because the, the bottom line, I was telling him, if they didn't surrender, we were going to kill them, whether that was dropping bombs on them, shooting them in the face, or beating them to death with our military shovels, our entrenching tools. So he did a <laughs> and an e-tool's got a pointy end. Yes. That's right. You know, and so the post went viral. And all of a sudden, not only all of U.S. media, but French, German, U.K. media, ISIS was talking smack about me on their French propaganda webpage. So what did we do? We started talking smack back to them and everything. But the bottom line, here's an enlisted guy using language about real combat that people weren't using. But I wanted to send an inspirational message to the troops yes, in yeah. all of those garden spots that we in Washington, D.C. had not forgotten about all the heavy lifting that you're doing over there and getting after freedom and, uh, and giving people in those countries a better life. And so that's how the title of the book came out, Surrender or Die, and it's reflections of a combat leader. It's my career, my 38 years in uniform from when I was a young private, you know, and, and then meeting my wife, Sandra, you know, who Eric knows very well. Miss Sandra's the bomb. Yeah, and we've been married for 40 years. Oh, congratulations. And then, you know, there's some leadership nuggets in there. I talk about combat. I talk about the effects of combat, you know, with PTSD and TBI and things like that. And then I talk about my time as the CIA, because shortly after I made that bold statement, things changed for me in Washington, D.C., and all of a sudden there were people that I felt were out to get me, whether that was in the Pentagon, across the river, in Capitol Hill, uh, and places like that. And pretty soon uh, I, I was under investigation, and I was suspended for six months. Oh, wow. And people wanted me to go away, and they wanted me, but... I wasn't going away like that, you know, and, uh, you know, um, so I stuck it out. And for six months, I said, I'm going to wait. If I got to wait years, I am not going out like this. And I even told Dunford, I said, the only way I'm leaving is if you reinstate me and you let me do my last year and a half and retire or you fire me. But I ain't quitting because if I quit, then it's OK for the troops to quit Absolutely. in Syria and Iraq. And so I stuck it out, got reinstated, you know, and uh, and finished out. So that's what the book is all about. And I dedicate a chapter to my suspension because too many times in life we face adversity and yes. it, it may seem like a mountain of adversity mm -hmm. and we could succumb to it. And 
I, I wasn't going to do that, you know, because I knew there were three million troops that were hoping that I would get back. And so I just stuck it out. And for six months, I did the things I normally did. I got up in the morning, I worked out. I went into this little cubicle in the Pentagon that they had me kind of holed up in. I sat there for nine hours, and then I would go home. I read 27 books, and I watched every episode of every season of Moonshiners. Oh. So if you guys want some Applejack or Cherry Bounce, I can hook you guys up because I'm it. pretty good at it. God bless Tim Smith, all right? So, and then when I got reinstated, you know, and Dunford and, and Mattis brought me back in, and, you know, I, I almost wanted to do the Conor McGregor walk back to my office because I hadn't been there in six months. That would have been but awesome. I said, nope, I'm going to be the same stoic that I was for six go. months. Yep. And I went back and got back to work and finished out with honor. But uh, so that's what the book is all about. My life, my career, my family and how important uh, having a military spouse that was with me oh, yes. for the whole ride, you know, for 38 years while I was in uniform. We just celebrated our 40th wedding anniversary. Mm. So it's all about that. And my hope with the book is that some young troop or some veteran or a family member could read this, get some nuggets out of it, and go out and make their life, their career, something that uh, they've always striven to be. So That's amazing. And, and, and that is why when we talked about bringing John on, I said I would follow this dude into hell with gasoline-soaked <laughs> pants on today. That's why, I'm right there. I'm ready to go back to CIF right now. <laughs> yeah, let's go. Let's go. Hey, Just no tape hey, test. That ship has sailed, all right? The best thing I'm going to do now is hand out coffee and donuts at the USO. There we go. All right. Now, unless, you know, terrorists or the North Koreans or, or the Russians are coming through my backyard in Lakewood, yeah. Washington, which would go bad for them with all the lethal and non-lethal stuff I have, my wars are over. Well, yeah. you know you got me as QRF. Yeah, absolutely. I, I know that, brother. But my, my message is that I'm going to do everything in my power to pay it forward to this current force, give back to my fellow veterans, and enjoy the ride. I, I absolutely love, love that because, honestly, after 40 years, you kind of would like you know, maybe a break, maybe, you know, a little me time. But, no, 40 guy. years, he's still <laughs> still giving back, still wanting to, you know, help the people come behind it. And, and, and helping the, these guys through their transition and things like that, things that you weren't afforded, which is even more special to me, that the fact that you have that, that – drive still within you to give back to the troops in the community and help them continue to be successful because the, the point of overcoming adversity and, and that, that chapter on the suspension, I mean, you want to talk about powerful. I mean, because, I mean, how many people deal with an Article 15, they think it's the end of the world, yep. and then, you know, over time maybe they overcome it and they get back to what they're doing or yeah, yeah. they come out of, of the, the military and their transition, they hit some sort of roadblock, they can't find a job, whatever, you know, and I think that's this motivation for someone who, one, hit the highest levels of the military, but then the highest. Yes. Yes. The highest. Sorry. Um, but then also still had some adversity that you had to deal with and overcome. I love the message, John. Absolutely beautiful. And I, you know, to sum it up, you know, and I, and I'm, this isn't directed at anybody, but it was unusual for an enlisted person in the Pentagon when you were surrounded by general officers and flag officers, you couldn't swing a dead cat in the Pentagon without hitting a general or an admiral. Okay. It was unusual for someone, an enlisted guy, to be delivering powerful messages like that. Yes. And you know what the worst part of it was? Is that I got attacked on social media by my peers and others that said I was speaking out of school. And since when, you know, I wasn't creating policy or none of that stuff. I was just telling what it, the enemy exactly what the hell we were going to do. It was a them. fair warning. Yeah. I mean, hey, we just <laughs> around don't and find that. out. 
You know, a Chinook lands in their backyard, ramp comes down, a bunch of angry MFers come out, snatch them up, or, you know, put two in their chest, and we take them off the battlefield and everything. I gave them fair warning of what we were going to do, all right? So I'm actually a pretty good guy, you know, in dealing with terrorists and, and any other enemy threat out there. All right, all right. I so we're, think, I don't think he needs a PR guy. He's no, been doing his own spin over here. It's it. beautiful. So here's my question. As we're wrapping up, we start talking about transition. We already know your story. I know Sean and I each had our own troubles in, in transition. You're, you were the SEAC. If you were to look back right now, if you were able to look in the camera right now and talk to current and active command teams at the battalion, brigade, division level, what would you tell them? What, what would you tell them about what they need to be doing for soldiers, sailors, airmen, and Marines as they are getting ready to transition? So commanders, senior enlisted leaders at all levels out there, you talk about people first. You talk about people always. Preach it. You talk about military service as a family. When a service member decides that they are going to transition out and they are going to go do something else, that is not a disloyal act. That Let's is go. a loyal act because they've served their nation and they've done the bidding that you've asked them to do. So support them through their transition out as much as you would support them if they decided to stay on the team. Too many times we leave our transitioning service members out because we think it's disloyal to get out of the military. The bottom line is everybody transitions. And if you're yes. a commander or a senior enlisted leader, you're going to transition. And you want somebody to treat you like crap when you get ready to transition out? Heck no. So take care of your people always. And if me first means, or excuse me, people first means everything, don't turn it into me first. And all of a sudden, our transitioning service members don't get taken care of. They are still a soldier, sailor, airman, marine, guardian, and coastie for life. And we got to take care of them. And when we got this recruiting crisis going on right now, who better to be ambassadors for military yes. service than those that have recently transitioned and had a great transition? So get after it. And I'm going to be coming out and checking like I've been yes. doing the last four years. Let's go. So let's go. Boom. Yes, absolutely. Uh, if these weren't, if these were our mics, I'd be dropping it right now, walking off the stage. I am gonna have. I'm probably gonna have to call Miss Sandra and apologize for getting John's blood pressure <laughs> up like that. I, I didn't mean to. So, Miss Sandra, if you're watching, I'm sorry. Um, I still love you. Please don't be mad at me. Um, man, John, I um, I, I echo it. Right, I echo it. I, I remember when uh, when I was transitioning. Two weeks before I went into my CSP, the ops, the ops sergeant major called me and said, hey, come up to the three shops. So I went up to the three shops and said, hey, I'm going to have you take over the team leader and squad leader academy. And I said, no. Yeah. No, dude. And he goes, I can't believe you don't care about the, the future of these soldiers. I said, I can't believe you're not going to pay my mortgage. Yeah. yeah. I'm getting ready to exit, dude. It's been 25 years. I'm done. Good luck. It yeah. happens to, and, if, and listen, if it happens to senior enlisted folks, if it happens to senior officers, it's happening to the junior ranks. 100%. Yes. It's happening to the E5s. It's happening to the E4s. It's happening to the young officers that have done one term and are, are getting out. Commanders, first aren'ts, sergeants major, we've got to take care of our folks on the way out. If you want to increase your, your, your recruiting, if you want to increase your retention, treat people well. That's how we do it. Absolutely. Man. Yeah, I, I'm kind of speechless. You know, and you know me, I like to talk a little bit. But, I mean, first of all, 
I, I'm the I'm the new guy here. I officially retired this past June, so Congratulations. I just recently went through it. And Eric was a big part of my transition, which now I know you were a big part of my transition because you taught him, you <laughs> know, which fact. I greatly appreciate. Because through this this platform, doing the podcast, we started it six months into my transition. Yeah. And so I was able to learn all the horror stories, learn from everybody who had a horrible transition, and mine was actually really good because I listened. And that's always my advice to people is listen, talk to people, find out what they did, what worked, what didn't work, find out what organizations are doing great things that they liked, and then try those out. But I love the fact that you're still giving back. I mean, the fact that you served almost 40 years, I, I still can't understand that. I mean, we, we know a podcaster who's almost been podcasting in transition that long, and I'm going to pay for that later. You will. She's going to get really <laughs> mad at you. That's okay, though. But... You know, just the fact that you're still giving back and, and, and still that passionate about it is absolutely amazing. I love it. I love your heart. I can't wait, wait to continue to read that book. Just amazing stuff. I need to get to the chapter on the suspension. I, I, I got to know it's the good. details. I it's know good. The, you, don't, you don't want to miss that. Yes. So, uh, you know, I, I know we're out of time. but as, So I just want to make sure before I, I say what I'm going to say, none of you guys are pending charges or nothing. Your pictures aren't up. At the post office or nothing I, like that? I don't think I, so. I don't think so. Okay. We haven't left Vegas yet, so I don't well, think so. Hey, well, we were at the Leatherneck, though. We were. Oh, we're. happy birthday, Marine Corps, happy by birthday, the way. In the, in, yeah, happy birthday. Yes, but we were at the Leatherneck the first night, so I, 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 don't, I don't think there's any pictures. No, I don't think so. Uh, no, okay. Well, I'd like to take this opportunity, of, in my appreciation, to give you both a signed copy of my book and hope that you enjoy wow. it. Wow. Oh, absolutely. I that, love that. that. Is, Thank that you so amazing. much. But from here on out, Brew, your beer in my glass, all right? Yeah. Yeah. I got it. I've been doing this. I've been covering your ass for a long time. <laughs> well, I love the fact that your legacy continues to the people you train because you trained them hard and you trained them right. You know, and people like Eric, you know, helped people like me come along. And now, now I'm getting an opportunity to try to help people as well. And so we're keeping that legacy alive. And we've got a million great people out here that we've been talking with, interviewing, and just the community is itself. There's so many great people out here. They're trying to do the right thing to help service members. And, and it's just, you know, I, I look at you and I'm like, well, this is where it started. Yeah, it's, it really started uh, at, a, at a pair of missing iPro. Um, and then a nasal pharyngeal in, inserted into my nose from my sergeant major. Uh, never who, forgot that iPro again, did I you? I never forgot my iPro again. <laughs> that was terrifying. Um, I was assessed as a casualty and immediately needed a nasal pharyngeal. So that was, I learned. And your soldiers had to carry you off the battle. They did. Yeah. That, was, that, was, that was humbling. Yeah. Realistic training. Yeah. But my favorite memory of you, and I just want to share this real quick. My favorite memory is, that, is, when, I made, is when I got promoted to E5, and you walked up to me, and, and you, I don't know if you guys can see on, this, on the screen, but he's got some incredibly intense blue eyes. And he stared at me, <laughs> and he goes, Brew, don't ever forget where you came from. And that was something I will carry with me for the rest of my life. Was, was that followed by the blood drink? No. No? no? Okay. No. You know, the, the key thing, I think we're all rowing in the same direction. You know, I gave a speech last night in Bakersfield, California, supporting a nonprofit up there that had their annual gala. And uh, the title of my speech was Preserving America. Mm. And, you know, we, there's a lot of things going on uh, with uh, communist China, the war in Eastern Europe, what's going on in Israel with terrorism yes. coming back and, and Iran being more empowered and everything. The North Koreans haven't gone in a way. They're still potentially a nuclear threat and everything. So if we want to continue to preserve who we are and what we are and what this nation has stood for for well over 200 years, 
then we've got to be champions and not victims. Yes. And we've got to build our military. We've got to promote military service to this Gen Z folks that have been, you know, are, are looking away from it. We've got to empower our veterans to be part of this ability to be ambassadors for military service. Yes. All of us that serve have a story. And we've got great stories. And we need to hear those stories. Whether they got out as an E-4 or they got out as a SEAC, we need to hear those stories. Yes. And the American public needs to hear them. Because we as a nation are at a critical point right now where, you know, if we don't get this recruiting crisis straight, we could have a national security crisis on our hand, and we could erode competitive advantages over a communist China or a Russia or a North Korea or even Iran. And so we've got to continue to get after it, and we've got to be champions when we get after it. And it can't be none of this woe is me stuff right now. Okay, yes. and the next time a Chinese balloon comes across or Mary Poppins on a world tour, we need to shoot the damn thing down. Let's get okay? it. <laughs> but you know why I love America, though, gents? Because there was a bunch of NASCAR fans in Arkansas when that balloon flew over that took their Bush Light bottles and their Mossberg shotguns. And even though the balloon was 30,000 feet in the air, they were throwing beer bottles at it and shooting at it. That tells me if anybody tries to invade this nation, 300 yes. million Americans are going to stand up and say, not on my watch, buddy. Absolutely. Well, I think on that note, I think on that note, I think we ought to call it. Yes. You want to take us out? I do. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us on the Vet SOS podcast. Uh, it's been a blast here from the MIG, John. Thank you so very much for taking time Thanks out of an so incredibly much. busy schedule. Anything for you, brother. I love you, man. Um, hey, listen, as you're going through transition, remember, don't drown in the sea of transition. Reach for that lifeline. We'll talk to you guys later.